0: Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest independent startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe in partnership with Google for Startups. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There's no time to wait, so let's begin. This episode is brought to you by 99 Designs, the global creative platform that makes it easy for you to find and work with amazing graphic designers online. Found it in Melbourne, like that. From logos to websites to packaging and books, 99 Designs is the go to creative resource to build your brand on any budget, which is super helpful for entrepreneurs. And right now, our listeners can get a free $99 upgrade on their first design contest. A contest is a great way to get started and find the right designer for a long-term work. You can also book a free design consultation with a brand expert at 99designs to receive personalized design advice over the phone. Their team of design experts has helped thousands of business owners. It's a great way to get the most out of your experience with 99designs. It's all simple. Just go over... Head over to 99designs.com slash startup grind for your upgrade and to sign up for a design consultation today. Fun fact, by the way, our founders Joel and Derek met on 99 Designs. There's a funny YouTube video, promo for 99 Designs, an old school one, where we are literally in the garage. Check it out, it's worth a watch. Thanks, 99 Designs. Hey all Chris Jon you. Welcome back to the Startup Grind Global Podcast. And I'm very proud. Um, yeah, love this interview. Um, this guy was just so down to earth, uh, despite all the success and, um, it was refreshing. Love that. Uh, David girl, founder and CEO of symphony. Um, but you know, prior to that, he, this guy worked, you know, directly with Bill Gates and was one of the top execs at Skype and, um, so some great stories in the, in this interview, that's for sure. But now all about Symphony, a secure collaboration platform, um, that, you know, I love hearing these stories when businesses, you know, COVID has worked, you know, to their advantage. And this is certainly the case for Symphony, um, and, um, the, you know, the spike that they're seeing right now and, um. So, Symphony is a secure collaboration platform now used by the world's largest banks in London, Wall Street alike, allowing the most prominent financial institutions to share sensitive trading information. Um, but really, for anyone, um, lots of corporates on, jumping on board there that just want to have a secure, um, a secure, you know, secure video calls. Um, so, great chat with David. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. So, David, welcome! Welcome to Startup Grind Podcast. I'm I'm excited to talk to you tonight. How are you doing,
1: Chris? Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm very busy these days.
0: Yes, yes. So you were saying so um, a good time to be in the uh, the global communications business.
1: Absolutely. You know, since the uh, the beginning of the crisis in Asia around mid-January, we've, uh, we've been pretty much at the heart of the action, actually, actually fire. And uh, the, uh, the activities of our customers, uh, you know, power, uh, pretty much the world's economy with all the financial companies we serve, uh, have put us directly in the mission critical piece uh, as communication is a you know, key element for everybody who's working remote. Uh, it was certainly already the case when they are working the enterprise but um, uh, the need has uh, has become more acute as people start working from home and doing remote operations. So that's keeping us very, very busy, as you can imagine, and, but proud to be and uh, because uh, we feel that what we are capable of serving uh, our customers with voice, video, real-time communication, so we see messaging and all the different things that our customers do on our platform. Is, um, is, is working well and is, is working, uh, you know, performing and is resilient. And we've seen uh, like a surge that I've never seen before. It's like a tsunami of, uh, of activity. Message volumes have tripled, uh Active usage numbers have uh, more than increased by 30%. We don't see an end to it, and it just continues to rise every day.
0: Crazy, crazy business. So, can can I just go back because I just want to get a bit of, give you know, give a bit of context to the audience, and then just to you know, get get a bit of background on yourself and kind of how you came to um, start um, uh, symf- Symphony, if I've got it right, and um, I did have it right. Thank, right. <laughs> thank goodness. Um, and um, so. Can you just go back a little bit I, I, I usually start with um, this is a bit of a warm-up, but it could get gets, it's good to get people to go down. Memory lane is was there a mother or father that was an entrepreneur? so let, let's you know how far I'm going to go back here
1: No they were not believe it or not they were diplomats <laughs> and uh, I grew up uh, you know with a father being a French diplomat and a mother being a British diplomat. And um, but there was something. Uh, I think you're right to go all the way back to the parents. Uh, my parents were really obsessed about um, communication, and um, communication meaning that there needs to be a good way of exchanging accurate information that conveys your thoughts and emotions. And then my da- my mom actually took me to this um, Japanese trade show when I was uh, less than 10 years old. I don't remember exactly at what age. Right. And in that place, um, the epiphany happened to me. Uh, we were in this uh, room where uh, I was able to, go to into another room. And, um, and then there was this video phone. Like you and I are on Skype and seeing each other and talking to each other. But that was back then, you know, back in 1970s and um and I was there talking to my mom on this uh, camera, and I could see her face and i could it was like magic to me that that moment uh, p- printed in my memory forever um and ever since that I've been obsessed about about achieving for the greater scale and uh and here I mean what an irony and today you and I are on Skype and talking through a very similar experience that um was already there in the nineteen seventies. So uh, entrepreneurial blood in my DNA was not, I should say, as strong as many other entrepreneurs are.
0: Well, I mean, it uh, sounds certainly interesting childhood and, and, and some interesting parents there. So, uh, and, and, you know, forgive me that I'm on Skype instead of Sim- Symphony, but I am I'm, um, was pressed for time. Next time. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> um, Absolutely, yeah. no problem. But there is, you know, there is um, a bit of a, a, bit of a relationship with Skype. You were, um, you know, one of the, one of the, the, the founders of the business unit, if I'm correct.
1: Yeah, I, I founded the Skype for Business and, and run Skype for Business before uh, we sold Skype to uh, to Microsoft. And uh it was uh, great times. Uh it was the um the golden era, I should say, of Skype, uh, where we've seen you know hundreds of millions of the daily active users and uh and Skype became a verb, you know, I will Skype you.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: when will you Skype me? Uh, etc. And, uh, and and that that is uh, obviously a, a great achievement, you know, to to rise to that level of popularity. And that was also a moment of great experiences for me, as I learned a lot uh, through those those years. And um, and that kind of became also, um, I would say, the uh, the inception for for symphony at one point in time.
0: So I'm definitely going to you know go you know dig deeper on the on the symphony symphony side of things, and I, I want to make that the focus of of tonight. But if I if if you can just indulge me a little on the on the on the Skype side of things, because I would like to just understand how early you know you you were in there pretty early right and you were part of this massive scale and i just wanted to kind of you know go through that journey to give the audience i guess the launch the learnings from from um scaling the business um the way you do yeah um
2: you know it, it, I, th- I think about
1: uh, a company like a pyramid um you, know, you need very, very solid foundations and broad foundations. Um, and, and those takes much longer to build um, than you know the top of the pyramid. But if you do not have such broad foundations, uh, you know, it's very hard to, to achieve greatness. So for, for Skype, uh, it was not any different. And we needed to get what I will call the reliable voice quality as well as obviously uh, in the case of other modalities of communication, such as video, uh, to be really uh, top-notch. And it took a while to, to nail that. And, um, and yes, we had some early success here and there. You know, Skype out was the way you could call different phones. But the real promise of Symphony came when there was enough of Skype users, and so they could talk to each other as opposed to talking uh, you know, from Skype to another telephone. That um, took um, all the time it took. And, um, and then we had a base. And then once we had that base, it was time to go into what do we do with it in terms of use cases. So clearly, that was a consumer use case. I wasn't focused on that. I had a great colleague, Neil, who was doing that. And then uh, we saw a large adoption of, Symfony, uh, of Skype Sorry, <laughs> um, within the, uh, the business user base. It's about thirty percent of um, people who were using Skype were actually calling uh, from corporate IP addresses, and uh, and so that gave us a very good, um, I would say, foundation to go after that user base, and then iterate. So build the next layers of the pyramid, which obviously were were um, you know quicker to build because we had a solid foundation, and then once you have that what I call use case match between features and performance expectations, then you can start marketing and selling. And so, uh, so that being kind of the journey that we've been through, and I learned uh, tremendously uh, about uh, that phase. And the most important learning I had was patience. Yes. And, uh, and patience meaning that, um, you know, whatever you think is going to take a unit of time one, it takes a unit of time three and uh um, and and you need to set your expectations the team expectations the investor expectations
0: the board expectations around that and can i ask you to dig a little bit deeper on the investor side because that was exactly you know what was coming to mind as you're talking about the foundation and i'm and i'm you know i'm I'm familiar with you know uh you know eric from zoom story you know kind of going away in the lab kind of almost and just we need to knuckle down make sure this text right which sounds the same kind of case here um yeah. how do you how do you like you know hold investors off when you say look it's better to get this right um and you know commercialize later um you know versus fighting you know kind of fighting them off at the same time how did you manage how did you manage that um uh you know to your point yeah, it when is it's like, taking three times longer than expected no, it's-
1: Chris, this is—you have no idea how important the point you are raising is, because there is this question of uh, patience that the investors have to have towards their own money that they put at work, the trust that they have uh, given you, um, and uh, and the results that they want.
2: Yeah,
1: Uh, I think the first thing, the first advice I would say, Chris, is first pick your investors, Um, and not every investor is equal, not every money is equal. Uh, if you have the opportunity to understand who your investor is, what's the time frame, and what kind of um, engagement they're going to have, that's very important uh, elements that you need to consider as you are building your first syndicate of investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second advice is transparency. Um, you know, you have to uh, you have to be transparent in uh, in your what I would call dreams and doubts. Yep. Yes, you have dreams because that's how the company starts. But you also need to share your doubts, because it's at the end, it's how you deal with the doubts that will make a difference. And um, and if uh, you portray everything to be green, if you portray everything to be working well, but they are not, this is where you have the, the grain of mistrust coming in. And then at every iteration, it grows. And then, like, it grows very fast like a weed, and you do not want that. You know, you need to be extremely transparent about those. Next is uh, the third and last advice I would say is be precise. What mm-hmm. I have seen over and over again is blanket statements that will say, well, you know, this is easy, or this doesn't work, or it will never work, or if it didn't work in the past, it will not work now. Well, if that statement was true, trust me, we'll be still stuck in the dinosaur era. And um, it is because there are people who look at what did not work in the past and now apply new methods, um, new willpower, uh, new passion to make it work this time. And it eventually does work. And so creating that dynamic with the investor is very important. Um, and if not, they will time out on you and and then you know or they will replace you, and then that's not obviously what you want, and that's not what they want at the end either.
0: yeah I just I just you know I'm, imagine it's just a hard conversation to have, and maybe it's a you know one that's kind of um only for these you know second time successful entrepreneurs like yourself that can just you know put it on the table. Um, where, you know, a first time entrepreneur will probably have a lot of trouble saying, look, this is going to take me two years before you see something worthwhile, but we're going to, we're going to, you just have to put some trust in us, right? It's, it's, it's basically, um, what you've done before and, and you, you, CV, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the advice I will give to the first time entrepreneurs Chris, is comparisons, yeah. um, so, you know, human mind uh, works by references, so we 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 all look at reference right and compare uh, the future against that reference and, and try to uh, forecast from that mm-hmm. and So if you have a company that you are going in for the first time and you are trying to bring money, um, you know it would be good to take few comparables, um, even not even if it is outside of the industry that you are uh, investing in say, look, you know, this is the time it takes. And this is the steps through which uh, these uh, companies who have achieved success gone through. through. Um, we are no different. Um, you know, we have the same passion. We, we believe in the problem that, um, that exists. And we believe that our solution is unique and defendable. Um, and if you, stuck, if you stick with us and, and for the long run, we will, you know, reap the benefits of our collective investment. And, um, and then, you know, compared to that benchmark and say, look, you know, they have achieved MVP in 18 months. Uh, well, look, you know, we are 12 months and we will be on the same time frame as this MVP. Obviously, if your MVP goes to 24 months or double 36 months, then, you know, you have to really uh, have a serious conversation uh, with those investors of why uh, it's possible that you pivot because you, you made the wrong assumption. Mm-hmm. You better make those things as early as possible um so that will be the way I will recommend the first time invest in a first time entrepreneurs to think about uh because there are some units of time to get things right and um and and they are not compressible uh because we work in an unknown universe that's the reason we are calling entrepreneurs
0: yeah and uh and that's the part of the game yeah I love it Great, great advice um and 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 awesome. moving on to uh well first I, I don't want to um I love hearing that you got to celebrate the this the wins mate. So Microsoft knocks on the door. What was what was that feeling like in that that you know that deal getting done?
2: Well <laughs>
1: uh Chris, what was really fascinating is I used to work for Microsoft um before uh before Thomson Reuters uh after Thomson Reuters had the Skype, but so I I spent 5 years at Microsoft and worked very closely with Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer, and um, Interesting. and I built Microsoft real-time communication business. I was the founder of that business and run it. Um, it's, it's now called Skype for Business <laughs> and Teams eventually. Yeah. So the, the team that came to acquire Skype was my ex-team, <laughs> the team that I created. So they were the same same folks. And uh so you could imagine uh, the first meeting and you know, where we sat down in this meeting room and they flew to uh, to Palo Alto and, and I looked at them, and I said, Okay, well you guys here, what are you talking about? Um We want you back. And so <laughs> So this was it was a quite interesting conversation, as you can imagine, but it was also an easier conversation because we we clearly uh, you know, achieved at Skype something uh, you know beyond ordinary, and that's what attracted Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And um, while well, Microsoft had a very solid foundation, uh, and it's still obviously uh, and it has capitalized on that massively since then. Um, you know they needed uh, the consumer side of uh, of skype and um and eventually uh, the the deal got uh, struck in the in a very good balance and um and the transaction uh happened very very fast it took five weeks and that's it so uh so yeah it was interesting conversations lots of side conversations and uh
0: and how do we integrate what do we do what we don't do etc so uh yeah happy happy ending and then and then so then we were you with Microsoft for some time after that? Make sure everything was running smoothly. What was it what, what happened, like post exit?
1: Uh, so post merger, post I, merger uh, yeah. I I asked to leave. Um, yeah. I was, you know, I remember I sat down with uh, with the management team of Microsoft, and I said, you know, they asked me what I want to do. I said, well, I I want to I want to leave. I I want to do something. I want to take some time off. So I took some time off. I. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, took six months off it was the first time ever I took time off in my life. Um and uh, wanted to know what I was going to next. And I received a bunch of uh you know CEO job offers here and there and I looked at all of them and I realized that I could only do something if it was my my own creation. Mm-hmm. And uh so I need to figure out which type of company I was going to fund myself. And um and that took me some time. Uh, some soul searching. Uh, But then, you know, what I did, Chris, was accomplish my childhood dream of becoming a pilot.
0: Right. Uh, So productive six months.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, I always uh, want to fly. And and I thought that was something very hard, very impossible thing to do. And uh, I went to a local airport in Palo Alto. And the demo flight and it got hooked at the first at the moment, me took off. Um, and I pulled myself in and, and became eventually a professional pilot. Um, and uh, and that, that was a moment in which I was thinking maybe I should become an airline pilot and just fly, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or I will just you know, uh, fly for uh, you know, for medical um, reasons because there are some lots of medical flights that you have to do for carrying patients and organs here you know, and there, which I was going. So, but that's another story. Maybe
0: another. Yeah, right yeah. Time. No, no. It's it, I had you know a similar conversation last night. Um, Airwallex. the founder of Airwallex, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the with the company, but the one of the founders is the youngest female uh, founder of a unicorn company in the world. And uh, same thing, she's just like at even though she's right at the top right now, she's thinking about um, social impact initiatives.
1: Wow! Fantastic, yeah. fantastic.
2: That's really great to hear.
0: It's very inspiring indeed. So, what 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 got you what got you back to back to business and um, um, and and away yeah, from I, flying? Or I'm guessing you're still flying, but it's just more for recreational.
1: Uh, I haven't flown since February 2018. I had a I had an emergency situation when I was flying. So after that, uh, I just decided to, to take a step back, but mm-hmm. um, what happened at that time was you know I was relatively young uh, you know in the mid 40s and uh, the question was, okay, I could technically retire, but would I, what would I do if I were to do that? And, uh, um, and what is it that I was passionate about? So I my experience in communications infrastructure, business for all these 20 years um, to be a great asset. And, and maybe I wasn't going to go and build a milk factory um, or a coffee machine factory. Maybe I should just capitalize on what I know the best. And so I looked at the market at that time, I looked at the available technologies, and I realized that what was missing was this very private, secure communication experience. and uh, And it was in the midst of this, you know, explosion of Facebook, explosion of all the messaging products. there was really nothing about privacy at that time, but mm-hmm. I kind of foresaw that there was, there was a was gap mm-hmm. and um, and and I'll tell you the story after and, and then um, then I just went in it and um, and tried to convince three people, and I thought my idea was crazy, and they said, "No, it's cool, just go for it
0: yeah. and uh, and finally, I jumped in. Well, I'm I'm guessing the story you're going to tell me after is going to be something related to the question I got for you. But how does like yeah. um, the you know, with the exception of Apple, I I, I guess that just says you know um, I don't know how else to say like fuck you to the to the U.S. government to like you know I'm not going to um, you know hand over the, you know the keys to the to the to the the users. I imagine. How are you not like? How do you overcome the pressure on from a um, uh, is it compliance? Is that regulatory? I don't don't know where um, you can run and execute this business exactly the way you have. Ah, um, that was
1: the essence, exactly the very essence of the company. How do you deal with that pressure when Mm -hmm. the government or any malicious entity comes to, to to grab you know a piece of your technology to spy on the very people you serve,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, well, there are mathematical solutions to it. Um, you know, we call this encryption,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the, the right transformation of uh, of the information you you send and and with the right secret uh, to make this transformation uh, is possible, and uh, and that's my background. Um, you know, I've been um, kind of born in the universe of communication and security, uh, and which I've done for years and years. And finally, um, it was time to to pass to the uh, implementation of uh, the idea I had, mm-hmm. and it was separation of encryption and encryption keys and the communication in such a way that when an entity comes, and regardless of what entity is, um, to to grab that information. Um, it cannot. And uh, and the impossibility of it cannot was exactly what uh, we did um, with the company. And so, uh, and believe it or not, we have had instances at that time where, uh, you know, people came to us and said, hey, you know, we would like to have access to the information. I said, oh, of course you can. <laughs> Here's our cryptic form. Okay. Um, and have a party in it, you, you know, you can use all the data, but if you want to talk about listening to what Chris wants, Chris says with David, then you have to talk to Chris because he's, he owns his information and he is uh, responsible for what he says and what he does. We are just a pipe that enables him to communicate with his counterpart. Um, but you want to decrypt what uh, he is saying, then go and talk to him.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And uh, and we had no other mechanisms to do so. So so that, that was how we solved that problem. And um, and we believe that uh, actually this is how we should solve all encryption problems. Because at the end, whether it is you as an individual or you as an entity representing an organization,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you are accountable for your actions. That's how the, the law is is addicted today in, in your life in Australia, in my life, uh, in here in, in France. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, so, and I have to obey it, right? You know, if yeah. somebody comes with a subpoena to my door, say, I need to do this and this to your home, I have pretty much no choice, but I have to obey the law And the same thing could happen with you or with anyone. And so why do we have a different principles um, when we are in a digital world than we are in a physical world? Mm-hmm. and uh, and so that was for me uh you know the epiphany and that's how we did uh
0: the company absolutely and obviously this has been the big um appeal to you know th- these global financial institutions right
2: absolutely you know
1: they were they were being uh spied on by the infrastructure providers and um and and they realized that oh my god we are sending all this confidential information about our customers, about our business, on this messaging infrastructure, we rely every day on. But it's not safe that people are looking at what we are saying. That's not acceptable. So they've been looking for a solution, and the timing was perfect. We just uh, proven that we can do it at scale, and um, and voila, the, you know, the, the match happened. Um, you know, it's important, as you can imagine, uh, in all these financial transactions to keep the privacy, the confidentiality of customers. I mean, if you are a private banking institution, uh, Chris, and mm. you have Team Cook as your, as, your, as your customer, and yeah. I'm sure Team Cook has a bank account, uh, you know, you definitely want to protect that, right? And, and it's true for also uh, for your personal account. And so the, the privacy, the confidentiality requirements are super, super uh, high uh, in the industry we serve. I would say at least as high as military. And um, because implications of the disclosure of the transaction of Tim Cook can have, uh, you know, massive, uh, massive uh, consequences. So, uh, and it is true also for the Australian government, uh, you know, working maybe with Chinese institutions. Who knows, right? So, these are the things that um, we are here to protect and the technology we manage to put give the trust and the confidence uh to those institutions to uh to use symphony every day and um, and trust us
0: and what is your like what is your role in all this as you're building this company out are you kind of do you like to manage the technical side or do, are you are you in front of these big customers how, how do, how, do you, how does your role evolve as you as you grow this business out
1: Oh, well, the number one, so, you know, we talked about advice um, to give uh, to the first-time entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I would say another advice, let's, let's talk about that is a team. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, the team is so critical. So having the right team is not having the best best person, it's having the team that works with each other in the best way possible. Yep. Um, so we, we tend to sometimes confuse, you know, excellence um, with effectiveness what you want is an effective organization as opposed to be an excellent organization um the effectiveness of grinding through the issues will eventually achieve excellence so for me um i was able to surround myself with great people very early on um, and what i did was fill the gap where there was a gap and so sometimes it wasn't products i'll jump into the product i coded in the first so, um, you know, version of the software myself. Um, so I went back to coding. Um, if it wasn't sales, I'll go in sales. If it wasn't marketing, I'll do the marketing documentation. So I saw myself as um, as a facilitator, as kind of the, the you know, the, the cog that makes things turn faster or the executive grease, as we call sometimes. So we unblock the machine, uh, where when it gets sometimes to a grinding halt. And, uh, and that meant that I had to have a number of skills. Um, some of the skills I did not have. I did not have finance skills, which I had to learn. Um, you know, I did not have some of the legal skills, which I had to learn. And um, obviously, I was, uh, you know, it was easier for me in sales and engineering because that's what I've been doing in the past. Uh, but I spent a lot of time uh, getting also coached. So I'll go to people who I knew that they knew better than I do. And uh and I wasn't afraid of saying, hey, you know what? I have no clue how this works. Can you spare some time so that you can educate me? And at least I can understand what I'm talking about. So uh so that's been kind of my motto, and it's what I've been doing. Um the thing that I know is an at a.m., the buck stops with you. And um and you can never let it go. You cannot say, well, you know, this team is not going to deliver, so be it. No, no, no. You have to go and help the team to deliver. And there is no choice, but to, at the end of it, finish what they've started. Mm-hmm. And um, it is always, I would say, it's always CEO's fault at the end, right? Yeah. And, um, and you have to cope with that pressure. And you have to cope with the implications of that um, in making sure that you hire the right team, you put the right dynamics in place, you have the right
0: culture, and then you never let go. You cannot let go. Can you? Can we talk a little bit about you know this? You saying how you you know having to learn um, you know the, the things that you are weakest at, and then you know it's interesting that you said uh, it sounds like you were relying on mentors. So I think it's you know how do you find these people um given sometimes it sounds it's, it's so specialized i mean um what came to mind as you were talking about it was the founder of Invado and i'm not sure if you're familiar with the company but it's the world's largest creative ecosystem uh the founder of, of which is in Melbourne and he said that he would kind of learn about all these roles and facets of the business uh early on at least by kind of um you know performing the hr function of the business and kind of just learning by the people that were you know he was going to hire what they would be doing right um in your instance you're talking about um getting some pretty pretty um high performing coaches i suppose and so i'm interested to just hear like how how these people come into your life and if they're you know Always part of your strategy. Do you have ongoing mentorship, for example?
1: Absolutely, I do. Um, so I select my mentors very carefully, um, and it is a relationship. It is not like, oh, I'm going to call you and ask you advice. So this is something that I spent, I have spent, and I continue to spend a lot of time. Um, and uh, and in that selection process, I'm looking for people. Uh, who obviously have a domain expertise for, for what I'm looking for, um, but also have done it in the past so that they have what I call operational experience uh, to give you the perspective about it. You know, one is being theoretical and, or academic. I'm not seeking that. That is available online. I can go and watch Simon Sinek. I can go and watch many different great coaches and here and there. Um, and I do that. Uh, that inspires me a lot. That teaches me some fundamentals, but fundamentals without their application to the real life mean pretty much nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so so for me, um, that interaction is about, okay, I have this problem. I'm looking at these options. I want to use this strategy to solve it. First of all, you know, do I identify the problem correctly? Did I miss something? Do I have a blind spot? If so, what would you do? And so that's the kind of interaction I have um, with my mentors. And, uh, and I have mentors for policies. I have mentors for marketing. I have mentors for technology. And, and you know what? Sometimes, Chris, I use my customers as mentors.
0: Yeah, of course. And
1: I will go into a customer meeting and I will say, can you please tell me, is there anything I can do better? You know, yeah. we are serving you with this and etc. What else would you think that we can do? What else do you think I can do? And um, and I find that to be actually uh, very humbling because most of the time they will come and tell you, yeah, you know, maybe you should do this, you should do that. So they are really becoming uh, a party of your company because they are now taking part of the solution um, of basically making your organization more effective. So and that actually creates a even a stronger bound with the customers.
2: Absolutely.
1: And. Um, because they want your success. And, uh, and so, so that's the kind of tools that I use and I use and I continue to use and I will continue to use and I highly recommend, uh, any entrepreneur to, to, to tap into.
0: Yeah. It sounds like perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that,
2: Chris. Um, perspective.
0: And, um, yeah, I'm always, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's fascinating and, um, and then, what about you know, like just while we're on that, and just because um, you know he seems like such a larger-than-life figure, would you say you know what were the what were some of the, the encounters or you know the, some of the learnings from, from from Bill Gates? If you don't mind me asking.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, <laughs> I met Bill Gates in the restaurant for the first time. <laughs> yeah. I was having a review with him. Um my first review with him. And I was really scared and uh, butterflies in my stomach. And uh, I thought that uh, you know I prepared well but you we never know. This was at that time, you know, we see the most powerful person in IT. <laughs> and it's been just three weeks at Microsoft. So I went to the restaurants and uh, here comes next to me someone and I turn my head to my right and I see Bill gates. And I say hello. It's hello. (laughs) And uh, and then, you know, we see we wash our hands and we go uh, back uh, to the meeting room. Um, And then the team, the team that I was part of introduces uh, each other. It's now my turn to introduce myself uh, because the first time he sees me, I said, "Well, I'm David, and we already met." He said, "Yeah, I remember that." And so, uh, so that, that was, believe uh, really it or not, uh, something that helped because I saw that he was he was as human as I was. Uh, and uh, so, besides that funny story, um, Bill's intensity is second to none. What what I remember is that he had he had no. Idea of what real-time communications was, mm-hmm. and uh, when I had just written a book about it. Uh, published it actually before coming to um, uh, to Microsoft, and um, and then he he said, you know, I want to learn everything that about RTC real-time communication as 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 you do, and uh, so uh, I said, read my book. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> And then he read it.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, and then he called me in his office. We spent several hours together at New York Times. I know he drinks a lot of Diet Coke, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> after many Diet Cokes, you know, he was uh, much better than me on real-time communication than, uh, than anyone else I ever met. So, uh, that level of intensity was insatiable. His curiosity was, wow. And, um, and his capacity to go into any detail, uh, he was able to see the forest and the trees um, and the ecosystem of all of that, mm. and uh, and I was just fascinated watching him review after review, um, you know, understand the business of Microsoft, which was already very complex, and uh, and for me it was the best. Training ever. Uh, I kept in with him um, It was a very sad day when I left eventually Microsoft. But um, well, I cherish to do, say, to do these days all these learnings. By the way, Steve Banner is the same because Steve Banner was the best business manager I've ever seen. Um, he, in sales, in, uh, in negotiations, there's no one better than him. And uh, and so uh, so those were for me uh, the, the MBA years, if sure. I say so.
0: Of my life. Incredible. Um, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Guy Kawasaki and you know, he's he has the you know, you know oh, yeah. relives the stories of working for Steve and, and um and how tough he was. But he said he wouldn't have had it any other way because, you know, when you look back on your life, um it was that you know, that teacher that was hard on you or whatever, or the and he's you know, the the boss that where you learnt the most. Did you did you find that was kind of the, the was there yeah. quite a demand that stretched you that in a good way?
1: Always. Always. Oh my god. Always. <laughs> it it helps I mean my personality is uh loves that kind of pressure. Um mm-hmm. you know I I strive uh for pressure and I strive under pressure and <laughs> and see or Bill um don't hesitate to put that on you. So um, yeah, it, was, uh, it made me a better person uh, in just so many ways. I learned uh, my weaknesses and I had to cope with them if I had to survive at Microsoft. And, uh, and so I learned more about myself during those years at Microsoft than I have ever did. And um, I was also part of their bench program uh, for executive leadership. And so I spent a lot of uh, quality time with Bill and Steve outside of work uh, during those times. And um, it wasn't about business at that time. It was about each other. And, uh, and, and you know, why we are who we are and, and, and how we have constructed our own reality and why sometimes it conflicts with actual reality. Now we see you know, how we should see things and how we should um, you know, make decisions. All of those things came from those very stressful um, but very fruitful uh, learnings and times.
0: And do you think that that, that- I'm assuming so, but you know, it'd be good to just um, you know unpack it a little bit. Would is that that cult kind of culture was something that you wanted to you know bring forth in in, in symphony?
1: We certainly did. Uh, minus, I would say the um, the, the some of the negative parts of uh, of Microsoft. You know, Microsoft had amazing culture in that performance, but it was also a mercenary culture to some extent. Right. Um kind of take you no know, prisoner and move forward approach. Um I, I I didn't like that part and I wanted the gentle part associated with that high performing culture. Mm-hmm. And um and so I did not tolerate um you know, uh, leave dead bodies behind kind of situation which um back in the early days of Microsoft uh was was there and um and obviously they've changed significantly since then. It's totally different company now, Mm -hmm. but for me, uh, what I kept was the best of Microsoft, which is hire the best people you can, make them work with each other in the most effective way, never give up, keep iterating, you'll get it right eventually. And um, and and I also learned that um, you know the culture eats strategy and vision for breakfast, lunch, and dinner any day. And uh, yeah. if you have the wrong culture, it doesn't matter how good your vision, funding, strategy is; you're going to fail. So focus on that. Yeah
0: do you, do you think you know? Just um, uh, it's interesting, you know, your take on you know, uh, which I you know I assume was a lot of high performing companies at the time with this kind of you know war analogies, I suppose. But um, yeah, um, do you think that you know it's a matter of you know as Bill gets older and you know maybe less to do with Microsoft but as you mature as a leader that kind of filters through the culture as well have you seen you know you know how you kind of soften up as you get older or well, maybe you're a cranky old man I don't I don't know but um, <laughs> you know my grandfather softened up as he got older anyway but uh, do you think that it's 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 enough that you, as you change that you can kind of filter it through or it's kind of just too well ingrained down at the um, you know the operating DNA thing. yeah
1: I think it changed I mean I've seen in the five years i spent at Microsoft Bill changed mm-hmm. uh, um, Steve as well um, and many other executives i had the chance to work with some did but lots of people did change and, um, and so no I believe in that I think that um, that's what makes uh, human species so successful um, in this very complex nature that, uh, that we, we live in because we learn we adopt um, and and we adopt new new tactics and um, and we change our behavior, our DNA. So uh, yeah, it does. Um, and uh, and all I think it does for the better. I think the world is you know despite its ups and downs, it, the world is better, and because it's a better place now than it's ever been you know in the past. So. Uh, and that's because we we learn, and that's because we we you know we make less mistakes than we did in the past.
0: I love it, and I'm sorry I kind of getting off topic, but I'm enjoying the conversation. And I hope the the listeners a, are, uh, too. Um, but in, in terms of business, right? Like um, you've secured 460 million dollars worth of funding. And you're now valued at 1.4 yeah. billion dollars. It's it's you've got. And then you're saying you're kind of exploding at the time, you know, with, with everything that's kind of going on on in the world. Um so what's what's the future look like? How you know, how big does this get and what does um success look like for you? Well, uh
1: that's a very, very important question. Um I'll tell you for my, my my biggest success is I was at the airport, going to security,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I used to live in London at that time, coming a lot to Palo Alto because I was being the Skype uh, business here in, in uh, Silicon Valley, and I got um, a secondary visit uh, request um, at the customs. You know, when you go to the passport control, they say, uh, <laughs> something wrong, sir, you have to go to the same. I said, damn it, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. And so I go to the secondary visit place. They sit me down with a bunch of other people. And an hour and a half later, it's my turn to talk to this immigration officer. Mm -hmm. And he says, what are you doing? Uh, I said, well, I work for Sky. He said, you work for Sky? He said, yeah, I work for (laughs) Skype." What do you do there? So I explain what I do there. He says, you know, thanks to you, I can see my granddaughter every week. You know? He, she's far, and I'm able to talk to her. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. I swear at that time, I had tears in my eyes. Oh, man. Because that, that moment, I realized that that is really what I work. That yes. is the essence of work for me. That's the essence of accomplishment. Because I have managed with the teammates that have been working so hard to make a difference in this person's life, so much so that it improved their lives. Yeah, crazy. And so that's what success is for me. And I've already achieved that success several times in my life. And uh, and I continue to strive for it because when I go to visit the customers or when the customers you know, reach out to me and say, you know, David, thanks to you, you meaning Symphony, we are up and running. We are doing our business. We are working from home, but it's as if you are in the office. And that is success. So I just want to perpetuate that. I want to build an organization that um, that will carry this forward forever, and um, and then you know uh, form a team and a culture, and so that you know when I will uh, take off, um, and they can continue the adventure. So that will be for me the best thing that I could leave uh, as a legacy, um, and uh, continue to have people like me uh, who have that kind of passion. And kind of drive uh, to continue to serve uh, the customers that they serve for
0: for their betterness. Incredible! I'm not gonna. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna leave it there because it just you wound it up so perfectly, um, David. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, the business is symphony. Um, check it out. Um, and and it's not just it's not just for for uh, for the financial institutions, right?
1: Correct. Anybody can use
0: it. Anyone can use it. Please check it out, um, particularly given you know current circumstances. Uh, David, thank you very much for your time.
1: Chris, it's been my pleasure. Have a wonderful time in Australia, and stay safe and healthy. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com, or join us at an event in a city near you. Until next time... Chase the vision and keep hustling.